Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on the Twitters at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button, and, you know, just tell someone about it. We'd appreciate that. We would appreciate that, Steve. I uh, hope everybody had a great Christmas and uh, is going to have a wonderful new year. <laughs> Seth Emerson is going to be the guest on our show today. He is for The Athletic. He works for The Athletic. He used to work for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Why is he on the show, you ask? Well, he is covering the Georgia Bulldogs. He is down in South Beach, and he has a lot of spicy things to say about what is going on with the college football playoffs. So I thought we'd give you guys a look at what it is like to cover a national championship run, the Georgia Bulldogs in particular, and you know what it's like to to work around Kirby Smart all the time. So uh, we, we'll do that with Seth coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, we'll talk about national championship ratings in general, the college football playoff. It, of course, is taking place on New Year's Eve, and uh, that has been much talked about, much ballyhooed as, as far as the network trying to force that on people. Uh, we will get to your thoughts, Steve, about and the ratings of what is taking place when the college football playoff is on New Year's Eve. We'll get into some of that as well. We've got ratings and recommendations a little bit later on. Also, make sure you check out all the other great podcasts on the 440 Sports Network. Gold Standard, Fringe Element, Club and Country. Fringe Element, kind of spicy this week. It is. Also previewing the college football playoff. You've got Club and Country, of course. A great interview with Mike Jacobs last week. You've got uh, Gold Standard out Friday this week. So all kinds of good stuff across the network. Go check out all the pods. Football and other F-words, Talking Titans, Music City Audible, all kinds of great stuff. So make sure you go check all those pods out. However, Steve Cavendish, before we send you off to Seth Emerson. Lamestream Sports is brought to you by the wonderful folks at Jaspers. Are they that wonderful? I think that's a stupid thing to ask in, <laughs> in this exact situation. <laughs> yes, of course they're wonderful. <laughs> Steve Cavendish. <laughs> uh, I think they're quite wonderful. How do you, what, is there any particular reason you wouldn't think they're? No, no, no. Uh, just, these are just questions. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm in the bag for Jaspers. I just thought I'd ask the question. You're, you're like the Aaron Rodgers of the Lane Stream Sports podcast. I'm just asking the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> Despite all of science indicating that Jaspers is, in fact, phenomenal and wonderful and amazing, you're still hey, some, the tough some guy on Some guy on Twitter was complaining. I just thought I'd ask the question. <laughs> uh, they do have some specials coming up for this weekend. So I will tell you about them a little bit later on in the show. So go to Jasper's free parking, cool specials for this weekend, for the holiday weekend. So uh, don't go downtown, go to Jasper's on West End. But we'll tell oh, you don't why. Don't go downtown. Yeah, we'll, t- we'll tell you why uh, coming up in a little that should bit. Ju- that should just be labeled an Omicron hot zone for the yeah. weekend. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, <laughs> go, go to Jasper's. Parking is free. This is already spicy right here, Steve. I like this. But it's going to yeah. get even spicier because Seth Emerson <laughs> did not pull any punches on how he feels about the college football playoff, the media access, and how they are trying to cover the Georgia Bulldogs and the Michigan Wolverines in the Orange Bowl down on South Beach. So without any more conversation from us, here was our conversation with Seth Emerson of The Athletic. Seth, welcome to the show, man. We really appreciate it. Live from uh, sunny South Beach, of course, where Georgia and Michigan will play on New Year's Eve. And... We wanted to have you on to sort of talk through what this has been like covering a team in the playoff, but also an SEC team with a, let's call him headstrong head coach uh, in Kirby (laughs) Smart, and try to explain to people the differences between, because I know you and I have both covered other playoff games, try to explain the differences between the playoff coverage and what you would do throughout the course of a week normally versus what you've been doing through the course of the week this week. Normally, the playoff committee and the bowls are in control and the teams can't tell them can't dictate to them hey we don't want to do this we don't want to do that the coordinators who in georgia's case alabama's case programs like that don't talk during the season we get them um and then we get players uh four or five players on two days in a room where we can go up and we can spend some time with them Um, I mean, I remember a few years ago going up to Nick Chubb and just being able to have basically a one-on-one with him 
Um, and then there's one big media day, which is like Super Bowl media day, uh, where everybody's available and you can go talk to, you know, the walk on long snapper, or you can talk to a, you know, assistant coach that you've never talked to that kind of thing. And it's a big reward for beat writers who have kind of suffered through an entire season of, of little access, um, and a reward for beat writers that made the trip and their companies that paid for them to make the trip. It's a big reason we make the trip is because we get this kind of access. Uh, this week it went virtual. They cut out that media day. So we're still only getting the players and coaches that they want us to have. Um, and we were supposed to have practice access and that was yanked from us uh, as we were basically on the way there. Um, honestly, if they, they told us about things going virtual, I think it was the 22nd, three days before Christmas. So a lot of us had to make decisions. All right. Am I still going? And my decision was, all right, if the team I'm covering is going to be there, I want to be there. But there was also the promise of there were going to be two open practices where we could go and be there. And that's, that's very important for TV people and people that use video, which is basically almost every outlet these days, not necessarily the athletic. We're not a huge video entity yet, but I, I just, as a beat writer, I love to be there, not just to like take role and say, Hey, is George Pickens here? Is JT Daniels here? But to breathe the same air as the team to have a feel for the team that you cover. And you do, you do get that. It, it may only be 15 minutes, but it, it's valuable. And so I told myself, okay, I'm not going to get these in-person interviews. I could just stay at home and do these virtual interviews, but there is going to be this practice access. And that's going to be important to take role and to get that feel for the team that I won't by doing just virtual interviews. So let's still go the whole time. They pulled that from us as actually Cincinnati was going through its one open practice. So our Cincinnati writers got to watch one practice. Uh, Alabama was supposed to go next at the Cotton Bowl on the same field, Jerry World, I believe. Um, and they were just told, okay, no, we're going home. <laughs> There's no open practice. We, Michigan and Georgia writers, were strapping on our backpacks. I had, I had gotten dressed to go downstairs for a shuttle to take us to the practice field. And we were told, nope, it's it's canceled. Um, it was it, it was a crappy thing to do, honestly. They The, the CFP committee, uh, I, I emailed back and forth with the PR person and with Bill Hancock. And, you know, uh, they were nice enough to engage with me on it, but I didn't really get happy answers because honestly as much as I did want to be here not for like personal reasons to be in Miami or whatever but just to work as much as I did want to be here if there had been no practice access if I knew that was going to happen it would have been hard to justify a the company expense to fly me here and to stay at this hotel and to eat out and everything and b time away from my family the week after Christmas when the kids are out of school to help my wife watch the kids, it would have been hard for me to justify it. And they got us down here with the promise of that and then yanked it from us. And it was, uh, you know, it wasn't cool. Is that the CFP doing it or is that the schools yeah. pushing back to them? The, the CFP giving the option to the schools, the, the CFP telling the schools you have the option to close practice which is like uh, telling me I have the option whether to have cookies and cream ice cream uh, for dessert. Uh, I have the option to have beer after mowing the lawn. Um, yes, these schools are going to close practice if you give them that option. So, yeah. Is there anything else that the college playoff committee is like, and maybe it's not just the playoff committee, maybe it's the COVID. What, what is COVID being used outside of just practice and zoom? And we've been, we've talked about this, you know, in the NHL, in the NFL with, you know, every different, every single sport is, this is happening. What, what is co in college football covering a big team like Georgia? What, what is college football used COVID to eliminate for you? 
it, it's it's eliminate it eliminated in-person interviews for the, the better part of a year um all of spring practice in 2020 all of the 2020 season um and spring practice 2021 uh during this season we got some inter- in-person interviews on mondays for georgia uh but we didn't get them after games. It was still all virtual. And um, I mean, I, look, I, I understood it in 2020. There were no vaccines. We, we had to take measures. Um, you know, I, it, it, I, I got it. I didn't like it, but I understood that we couldn't just go talk to people in person. 2021 with vaccines available. Um, spring, I understood it. You were still rolling out vaccines. I don't think I got my second shot till April. Um, but by the fall, it just, especially when you saw the NFL teams doing it and the, you know, major league baseball going back to in person, it just really seemed like COVID was being used as an excuse to keep things shut down. Uh, and here, you know, I mean, whether I agree or not because of Omicron being new and, and, and whatnot, um, I I'm seeing, teams still doing these bowl activities and still going and uh you know the i guess we people have kind of pontificated on ucla going to SeaWorld and then pulling out of the bowl because of cases like i i don't know about that but I, i see like georgia doing the beach getaway and and some of these other things and i say well it's okay for them to do this and it's outside like a, why couldn't we have tried to do some in-person availabilities like outside? Uh, why, why, why couldn't we be kind of creative about doing some of that? But even more importantly, how is the media masked outside watching a practice from a distance? How, how is that verboten? Like how, and, and, and again, the decision to give the teams that option was made, was announced uh as we were going to go there um they didn't give us a chance to basically recoup our money and i don't know whether they delayed that announcement as a way to you know some people have suggested this was a a way to kind of bait and switch us and to get us down here uh so that their hotel partners would be able to recoup their money and and get you know not take a total bath on me because there 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 are still a lot of media members i mean who who came uh december 26th um whereas more came a little bit later um but i don't know whether it was that so like a nefarious reason or they were just disorganized and just decided late uh like oh you know uh there's not enough space here to make it equal for there and blah 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 because the teams are practicing at different fields and whatever well they knew that that was one of the stated excuses we were given was that it, there's a different amount of space at X field than Y field so that, you know, it's not equal. So we just have to shut it down for everybody. They've known where these teams were practicing since before the teams were assigned, you know, the visiting team for the orange bowl is supposed to uh, practice at Barry university, the home team, which is Michigan uh, is practicing at another university. And that was, decided long ago i they were just disorganized and that was probably the case i'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they were disorganized rather than a like conscious bait and switch but even so i mean they're supposed to be better run than this aren't they i mean this is the college football national championship i i told them i I said it privately i'll say it publicly this is the in 25 years of this business, this is the, one of the most like worst experiences I've had with an entity at this level that I've ever had. You know, this is the kind of thing you get from like high school stuff or, you know, small colleges or whatever. It's, it's, I I don't know, you know, the the media deserved better on this. Again, it's one thing if you want to say it's about the virus, but like, the, to get us down here and then yank things was just really unfair. So what what does that do then to your job? Because you still have to cover a team that's playing in a national semifinal on New Year's Eve 
with a, a, a you know this tons of storylines and yes of course we will we're contractually obligated to ask you about the quarterback at some point during the interview but you've got all these different stories you're trying to write and do your job for the georgia subscribers at the athletic what, what does then you what what does your job turn into like are you literally chasing down buses and like yeah. hanging out on the beach like what are you doing this week instead of just talking to players and doing your normal job so um here's the fun uh monday or tuesday event uh sunday the team gets here as we get here and normally there's an event at the airport where you can just kind of say all right so and so got off the plane you know everyone got off the plane and you talk to the coach and say so and so here or so and so here you know this is the take role who made the trip kind of thing where a lot of people think all right you know the prying media but yeah we are because fans are interested um and we didn't get that so instead we went to the team hotel and staked it out and when the team buses, three buses pulled up, Kirby Smart and everybody, we were like, okay, you know, let's see. And and we couldn't take a perfect role, but we 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 did we were able to tell that none of us saw George Pickens or JT Daniels, potentially the two biggest names on the team. And there were obviously reports like the athletic does not name players who are who test positive for COVID. Um, unless the team or the player releases it and they haven't. So I'm not saying that's what it was, but there were other reports that they were. So we said, okay, um, Monday, we go back to the team hotel after they canceled the practice viewing. That's when we uh, said, okay, well, if they're not going to let us go to practice to take role and see that they're not there, uh, then we're going to go to the team hotel and do it again as they get done with practice. They we we find out that the team is not getting back from practice at the time we thought they were. They're going instead to the beach outing first. So we found find this out at like 345 that they're not going to be there till 615. We're looking at each other and saying, should we hang out here? And we decide, no, you know what? It's not worth it. So uh, four of us get in a car. We were carpooling together. Georgia media, for the most part, gets along, by the way. Uh, it, it becomes this whole experience became a, you know, fight the man together. Let's fight the patriarchy <laughs> together. Uh, so we, we four of us pile in a car. We're about five minutes down uh, I-95. I get a tip on my phone from somebody back in Athens saying I'm at the Athens airport. JT Daniels and George Pickens just boarded a plane. And the, for Miami, I say, OK. I go to flight aware, check it, checks out Two two small planes just took off in our, in the air. And I, I, I tell my colleagues again, we were, you know, in this together, we're all in this car together. I'm not going to be sneaky and like get dropped off at the, you know, at the hotel and, and come back in an Uber myself to get it. Um, and so we're like, all right, let's turn back around. So we go back to the hotel. We're like, we're waiting here. But then we think like the, the person I'm talking to says, you know, if you stake out the airport, the little there's a little small annex there at the Miami airport, you, you'll see them coming through. And so we decided to split up. Um, and another colleague was there in another separate car. I called him and he came back to the team hotel. So three of us are staked out the team hotel. Two of us then get in an Uber and go off to the Miami International Airport and go to that little annex. One of us gets made by a Georgia staffer who was there to, they had two cars there to pick up JT Daniels and George Pickens and some other people who turned out to be on the airplane. They, they, they look right at my colleague and roll their eyes and say, all right, you know, media's here. They talked to the airport people for a way to get them through the side entrance. Long story short, we were there about an hour and a half and we could not physically, they like literally put masks on JT and George and told them to put their hoods on so they wouldn't get recognized by us. So we were not able to put eyes on them, but there were, there were, we, I, I had my suspicions. I saw someone who looked like George Pickens, like with outline, like phone towards him. And, and I thought he was filming that he's here at the airport. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, but I couldn't say for sure it was Pickens like 10 minutes after like, so I text my friends at the hotel our colleagues at the hotel and say, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't nail him. Tag, you're it. Get him there. Well, then they say, 
hey, George Pickens just Instagrammed that from the Miami airport. And I'm like, oh, yep, that was him. I saw him doing it. So at that point, we're all like, okay, we can report it. We can report George. And then independently, as we're driving around, as I'm, you know, me and Anthony, my colleague, are in an Uber back to the media hotel, everyone basically gets reports saying, you know, or sources saying, yeah, JT's here. So we eventually get the story, but the stakeout didn't itself didn't yield much. That's my long story for you. I don't know if it's interesting, but yes, that is what we have had to resort That's to. That's awesome. Is that how much of that is on Kirby Smart? Like just in general, the amount of secrecy and the amount of care and the amount of, uh, you know, closed off, paranoia. close to the vest, paranoid, schizophrenic sort of. There's, there's how much a lot of that of- is Kirby? There's a lot of paranoia. I, I wrote in my book, Attack the Day, still available in paperback, um, about a time that uh, Kirby, when he uh, before the 2017 national championship game against Alabama, Trump was going to be at the game. And so Kirby uh, said, hey, when I was at Alabama and we did a White House visit, I talked to a Secret Service agent there who was an Alabama fan. So I want to find out if that Secret Service agent is going to be casing uh mercedes-benz stadium while we're doing our walkthrough that that's the level of paranoia that's an example but there's a lot of that exists but i will give kirby credit on this it's kind of a cat and mouse game it's kind of accepted he he tries yeah absolutely these staffers who saw us like are i don't know if they're on the phone with kirby himself but they're on the phone with somebody these are low-level staffers who are talking to somebody back at the team hotel saying okay okay no you got to do this and blah, blah, blah. So they're, they're going through all this, but I didn't hear one thing. And I don't think any of my colleagues did either from Kirby or anybody with the team saying, why did you stake out the airport? What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. They just, they, they, I'll I'll give them credit that they know we have a job to do. And I think on some level, they kind of give us credit for, for trying. Well, that's, I guess, somewhat reassuring that, I, I mean, I don't know. It's the whole thing seems to me to be ridiculous as the top tier of, of, of college football has veered towards NFL kind of levels of, of, of access and, and, and you know, the NHL, we've, we've talked about this. I would uh, kill for NFL levels of access. <laughs> yeah, well, the yeah. other way around. Yeah. And the, the, the interesting thing to me is that, so you have this layer of, you have this you have this college football playoff layer over the top of it which is if what i'm getting from you is is accurate is is not very well not not as well organized as it sh- as it could be and and is not all power is not the all powerful all knowing entity that we have that we we tend to give it credit for at other points throughout the year uh i mean yeah it seems to me to be this is sort of like a loose confederation of of event planners, and we're going to double the size of it here fairly soon. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't, that yeah. doesn't, doesn't give me a lot of hope for uh, for for well-run media access going forward. No, no, they, uh, they're, I, I don't know. I mean, they, it, it's still better, Steve, than what we get on a day-to-day basis at Georgia. Um, and, and that's what, what something I wrote to either Bill Hancock or, or Brett Daniels, the PR guy, um, was that we kind of hold you all open as the beacon of hope that everything we go through <laughs> during the season um, pays off because Georgia and Alabama and, and whoever, um, Oklahoma was really bad under Lincoln Riley. I don't know how they'll be under Venables. Um, you know, that, that they're not in control this week. And, um, you know, it's, we, we kind of, they ceded control this week and, you know, arguably they, they panicked a little on the Omicron stuff. And, you know, if, if they're coming from a place of safety, then it's hard to argue on that. But, um, there was, I think a certain level of just kind of disorganization on this. Go ahead, Steve. Because I'm because I'm going to ask the quarterback question. I've got to do it. Okay. Okay. Let me, no. let, let, let me get this. Let me get this in first. Right, so if if Georgia wins this week, what do you what do you anticipate the next couple of weeks looking like? Um, Georgia will come back to 
uh, Athens and they'll have, I don't know how quickly they'll go to Indianapolis. Um, whoever wins, I guess now has the option to go to Indianapolis a little sooner, uh, or a little later than they would have. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, and I may not go to Indianapolis until two or three days before the game because, uh, just if you've if learned, learned your lesson now. Yeah. Yeah. I've learned my lesson. There's there, if there's not going to be this in-person access, you're not gonna be able to see practice, then you know what, I'm going to save my company some money and I'm going to, uh, stay with my wife and help with the kids. And I'm also not gonna like, you know, it, Indianapolis is not a very sunny not, not place Miami. in January. <laughs> yeah. But it is a great town though. I'm telling you, it is a great event town. Is a, it was the awesome... last place I went to before COVID. That was my last plane trip. The athletic had a big uh, thing there around the NFL combine in 2020. That was, that was my last plane flight before this past Sunday. It's, it's sneaky. It's a sneaky, great event town. They, they do really good job with the events. It is just not exactly the most beautiful weather in, in January. Um, I, I, so thinking through this from a media perspective and accessing information and Kirby sort of having this kind of push and pull with you guys, what is it that people aren't understanding about the quarterback situation? Is there something that people are just missing? Is he playing games with people or is it more simple than that? Like, what is it that, what's the right question about the quarterback situation that people aren't asking? You know, Kirby smart finally talked today in pretty forceful terms about Stetson Bennett as our quarterback. Um, and he, he said something about like, he alluded to JT Daniels health Um like he was asked, like, is there a situation where he would play? And he said, well, Stetson's our starter. And, you know, whether JT would play would depend on the situation and also his health. I don't know if he was talking about COVID or I think he's cleared because he's here. Um, but or, or whether it goes back to just basically his health, the the stuff that he's been dealing with this year. Um, I, I but I Todd Munkin yesterday talked in pretty clear terms that if he had said these things earlier, which he couldn't because he wasn't available to the media. Um, but if it had been put in the terms that Todd Munkin put it yesterday, then I think a lot of fans would have finally just understood. They wouldn't have liked it, but uh, they, they, they honestly think Stetson Bennett is better at this point. Um, and that may be because JT just isn't fully healthy uh, or whether, you know, it's led to some kind of mental, you know, had some, you know, he, he hasn't had confidence the way he did early in the season. Um, but he, there, there's nothing nefarious going on. I mean, I, I've been asked like ridiculous questions about like whether there's some insurance policy that is preventing JT from playing or, or, you know, he's already told the team he's transferring, so they're not going to play him. And, you know, I mean, by the way, JJ Daniels already transferred once and got a waiver. So he'd have to graduate and then get a waiver to transfer again. So, you know, I, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where they, they honestly think he's the better option Stetson Bennett right now. I don't know whether I agree. I'm not team Stetson or team JT. I'm team. I don't know. I'm team. They better be, you know, they better know what they're doing. Because as a media member, I'm the one who has to deal with it. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm the one who has the fans attacking my Twitter and my the comments of my story. And, you know, I could write a flowery, great story on something going on with the defense or something else. And it's someone will still jump in there and be like, what What about Stetson Bennett? Why isn't he starting? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then we, we, we've been attacked by fans for not asking hard enough questions of Kirby during the year about why Stetson Bennett is starting. And we are like, look at the questions we're asking. You just want us to get on a table and grab him by the throat and tell him to start JT Daniels or he will be fired. <laughs> um, it, it, it's not fun and it's not actually that great for business. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I'm getting like a huge amount of hits for all the QB stories. Cause you can't really write anything new. Uh, yeah, believe me, I'd, I'd, I'd rather it were a settled issue. Well, what happens if, what happens to the comment section if, see, if, if Georgia loses to Michigan? Because I, I think, 
if you recruit the way he recruits, you know, you get to two national title games in four years. There's like one or two other humans on the planet that have done that. Even if they can't get over, you know, get past Alabama, that's one thing. I, I think you can kind of excuse that away and talk about the recruiting and the long-term growth still being great and all that stuff. But if you lose to Michigan, that what does the comment section do if you lose to Michigan? It's bad. It's bad. It, it's not <laughs> going to be good for Georgia if they don't win the national championship, period. I, I don't know that it would be worse if they lose to Michigan first because if they get to the championship and lose to Alabama again with Stetson Bennett as the starter again, people, you know, people will say, you've seen Stetson Bennett go against Alabama twice, five interceptions, two losses. Why did you do it again? Um, with Michigan, honestly, I think there's a lot more defense of like, hey, you know, he, he might give you a better chance than JT Daniels because of his mobility to get away from Aiden Hutchinson and, and Obaju, um, Ojabo. Um, yeah. So, I, but it, it won't be good either way. I, I don't think Georgia, Georgia's fan base was in any championship robust mentality before this season began. I think that was an outside media narrative, but 12 and 0 created it, created, you know, look, Kirby Smart's not going anywhere for a long time unless something outside of football happens, but the grumbling in the fan base will be immense. It will be a long off season if they don't win it all. Let me, let me ask this from a, from a beat perspective, covering this team as a 12 and 0 sort of juggernaut as they've been throughout most of the year or covering this team kind of when they were trying to put pieces together three or four years ago, which, mm -hmm. which of these is more enjoyable to cover? They were both a little bit miserable, but still with a little like um, a little of reward um, because you were still covering a winning program. I mean, look, you, when you don't have access, it's not good. Um, you know, I, I just we, we all we those of us who were on the beat with Mark Richt were a little bit spoiled where the access was so much better. You got to know these guys better. Um, but there was in. 2017, as as Kirby was taking off, um, there there was a, a sense of joy. Uh, but I also remembered being on the field at the end of all those games because there were less restrictions. COVID has also established a big distance between not only reporters but fans um, from the team, uh, and and that's unfortunate. And you just hope that the restrictions do not stay when COVID hopefully ends. You know, one thing I tell people about covering Will Muschamp, for example, is that he's a very different guy sort of just like in his every day than he is on the sidelines on Saturdays. People see him, the red face screaming and all this stuff. And he's really just like this kind of chill dude who just kind of like is, is pretty yeah. relaxed and people kind of like enjoy hanging around with them. And it, what, what is it about Kirby? And we'll let you go on this because we appreciate your time, but what is the thing or two things that we just don't know about Kirby? Cause you don't, cause most people aren't around him. What is it you want? You think people need to know about him? Kirby smart, the man, not the coach. He, so um, I went to Maryland and covered Gary Williams and he was a maniac. Um, Steve probably remembers this as a fellow Washington Post alum um, around that time. Uh, but the thing with Gary was when the game ended, he, he just turned it off and he would do a normal like interview over the whole intercom at Coalfield House and, and would just be a sane person. And Kirby's that way, too. Kirby, Kirby is a maniac during the game. You, you see the press conferences and he's, you know, he's got this kind of surliness to him, but, you know, while he can be also a maniac during practice and, and other kind of times, he, he's very just kind of normal, funny. Uh, you know, he's just, I mean, I'm not going to say like regular guy, I'm not sure who is, but he he's, and he's also, he's also fairly like, you know, like I was saying earlier with the fact that like they didn't call us to, you know, 
bitch us out. I don't know if you have to edit that out um, about the airport stakeout and the team hotel stakeout. Like the first day on that Sunday, when we stuck, when we did the stakeout at the team hotel, Kirby was the first off the bus. He saw us, he waved at us. We waved back. I mean, you know, like I said, he just, he kind of understands the whole, he, he understands what's happening. And I, I think he's, you know, he, he actually does some things on a day-to-day media wise that is, is even more like stringent than Saban does it. But I, I get from what I understand about Saban, there's also some things with Kirby that he does that it's a little bit more humane, so to speak. <laughs> well, in, uh, in, enjoy the game, enjoy your new year's, uh, safe travels back, stay safe and healthy down there. And, uh, then he understands Kirby. That means he understands completely what is at stake on Friday afternoon and evening. So thank you, Seth, so much, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks guys. Lamestream sports podcast about Nashville sports media and business is brought to you by Jaspers always brought to you by the fine people at Jaspers. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. There are fine people at Jasper, Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner, and they've got drink specials for all the fine people that go frequent their establishment this weekend on Friday during the college football playoff games all day. In fact, before, during and after the college football playoff games all day on Saturday, all during all the bowl games that are going to happen. Five dollar champagne, five dollar bubbles. Wow. All day on Friday all day on Saturday. So if you want a sugar headache, you go to Jasper's and you drink all the champagne you want for five bucks a pop. How about that? I, I do not want a, I do not want a champagne headache. That is a terrible headache, but what a, if you like champagne, what a great deal. Oh, I drank so much champagne during the <laughs> Christmas weekend, Steve, my wife bought a bunch of extra bottles of champagne for like the Sunday final, like sibling Christmas. And like nobody wanted any of it because we were all champagned out. And so her her and I just like opened a bottle on like Monday afternoon. <laughs> and we were like, we're still on holiday. It's fine. It's no big deal. It's 4.30 on a Monday. Let's have a cocktail. And we did. Awesome. Yeah. So I had a lot of champagne. I'm all about the champagne. I normally am Bloody Mary guy on Saturday mornings. Like I get off the air. I want to settle in, watch some college football. I'm a Bloody Mary guy. Are you Bloody Mary guy? You know, like Bloody Mary? Uh, I like Bloody Mary's. I find it hard to drink in the mornings, uh, so, so I don't do it very often. I do not have that problem. Um, I love a Bloody Mary, but except for New Year's Day, I feel like New Year's Day, you need to drink champagne or mimosas. And this is where Jasper's comes in because you can go watch, like I think Penn State and Arkansas are playing. You got Kentucky playing. You got all these SEC teams. Uh, when you think Penn State, Arkansas, you immediately think champagne. When I, when I think Iowa, Kentucky, I think mimosas. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> When I think Iowa, Kentucky, I think PGA. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I need, I need something to cover my eyes while the offenses are on the field. So my, my wife loves the idea of a Bloody Mary. Like she sees it and she's like, I love all of those things in theory. I like all the vegetable stuff. I like the tomato juice. I like the spiciness. I like all these things. I don't mind a vodka cocktail every now and then. And then she tries like more than a sip and she's like, I'm done with it. So what we've learned is I go into a restaurant for brunch with my wife and I say, would you like me to order a Bloody Mary for you that I can drink? And she goes, sure. She takes one sip and then I get the Bloody Mary out of the deal. It's a pretty good deal. It, my wife, similar in the fact that she loves all of the accoutrements that, that come on top of the Bloody Mary. Yes. Uh, now, she likes the Bloody Mary too. But, you know, put an entire garden on top of the Bloody Mary. My wife is there for it. She's she's there for your little cornerstone pickles, your little your little onions, you know whatever. She's absolutely there, but she's also there for the Bloody Mary. Three top top three garnishes for the Bloody Mary are pickle, celery, green olive. Those are the top three. I, I mean, you don't agree? I, I you don't I, like pickles, I, do you? I'm not I'm not a pickle I'm not I'm not a well I'm not a pickle cucumber guy. I know you like pickled everything else except for pickles themselves, which is very strange. Now go to Jasper's because the the five dollar champagne is still in effect all day Friday and Saturday. Watch football games, drink some champagne, take an Uber home, then celebrate New Year's at home safely because it's amateur hour and you don't want to get a variant. That and is, I'm not, and I'm not even talking about COVID. That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> go to Jasper's, everybody. Free parking, uh, five dollar champagne Friday and Saturday. 
Go to Jasper's. That was Seth Emerson of The Athletic. Never short on uh, commentary. Always love talking to that guy. Been on the beat a very, very long time and has covered Georgia for a very long time. And you can tell, um, not afraid to tell people what he thinks about how the college football playoff is hiding behind COVID by changing all of its policies while, I guess, allowing all of the teams to do whatever the hell they want to do. I appreciate a beat reporter who does not give a fuck more than anyone else. <laughs> I, 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 I really do, because these guys have seen everything that happens on the beat. They're, 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 they're not surprised. They, you know, guys like guys like Seth are, they're grizzled. They're there for their job. They are not going to be deterred from in kind of in their job. They're not wide eyed about this anymore. There was no touch of romanticism (laughs) in any of that interview. He was he was very thinly veiled and sometimes not veiled at all, pissed off about sort of the situation yeah, that, yeah. that has happened. But I but I appreciate the fact that the other piece of that is that you get a level of honesty from those guys uh that is necessary to sort of taking take the facade back off of you know th- this media landscape that we that we built around the college football playoffs and sort of some of the stupidity that's happening here in the COVID era. Uh, I really appreciate him kind of kind of peeling all that back. And to give you guys a sense as to what a normal week would be like, and he kind of explained it a little bit there. But because, you, because you've done this in a non-COVID environment. Yes, and and with, with Nick Saban. And I, I, I covered Alabama, Ohio State, just one of them, um, when they played in the Sugar Bowl. This was the year that Ohio State pulled the upset, and this was Lane Kiffin, and this was Urban Meyer, this was Derrick Henry, this was – uh, just, you know, like unbelievable players from both of these teams, just like it was like an NFL game. And, you know, Seth used the term beacon of, of hope or beacon of light, what he said there about the playoffs sort of taking control of the access, because you do. I stood on the sideline. I stood on a field in the super, at the Superdome at the time. I stood on the field and had three and a half, four minutes with just Derrick Henry, just me talking to Derrick Henry, who was like a freshman or a sophomore on that team, wasn't the starter. I had you know, three and a half minutes with Joey Bosa, just sitting at his table and just like shooting the shit about football and defensive line play and the offensive line for, for Alabama. And, you know, you just, an opportunity to ask Lane Kiffin a question, <laughs> like when he was a coordinator in the rehabs clinic of Nick Saban, like the, just the, <laughs> the ability, the ability to actually breach those walls and actually just have a conversation. And there were so many players. Like I got into the locker room after the Ohio state Alabama game, I got into the locker room and Darren Lee was a freshman linebacker. I got to talk to Gene Smith, the athletic director for Ohio state. And then the defensive MVP of the game, all within like 30 minutes of the game happening. And it was some of the best content I've ever gotten. And nobody got in trouble. There was no like gotcha questions. (laughs) Like I just was trying to get to know these guys and tell their story. And it was great access. And the playoff offers that, Whereas the teams just simply do not. No. Well, and, and, and particularly high level, high level programs that don't need, they don't, they don't need your coverage. They don't really want your coverage. They don't care about it at all. You know, I, I, w- I was, I was actually kind of glad to hear Seth say that Kirby at least begrudgingly respects the job that they're there to do. And that he understands sort of like the cat and mouse game that's going on. But you know, the, these guys, they, they don't, I mean, these programs, are control freaks in, in, in a way that, you know, only the, only the worst are the, the fans uh, and readers are all the worse for it. And, and the sooner that they can come around to realizing that, which they won't, the, the better off, the, the, the better off everyone will be. I, I don't know. And I've asked, I've specifically asked Greg Sankey this like directly to his face in person. Will there ever be any sort of, you know, top down edicts and or rules and or pressure to allow for more access for the media to get to know the, and and the way I framed this to him was around the players because the players are such good stories. They are such, there's so many great stories with the players. And he flat out said, uh, it'll never happen from the conference level. It'll never happen. It has to happen from the ground up. And we court, of course, when we know the ground up is in charge of it, that means the head coach is in charge of it, which means it'll never happen. So I don't know what the answer is 
long-term if it's ever going to change. I, I don't know. And unfortunately, Steve, not to make this too serious, unfortunately, that is the environment with which things like Penn State, Art Bryles, Baylor, and these types of things can happen. That, that's, that is how it is possible to allow those awful things to take place because you've built an environment where they have complete and utter control over everything. So not to go too dark there, Steve. I, I'm sorry. Uh, it took a turn, man. But it's why it's happened. We, we create these little feudal dictatorships and yeah. these little paranoid schizophrenic egomaniacs get, have complete control over it. And it's not good for anybody. It's not good for anybody. That's all. All right. End of range. No, and, and, and the difference is, you know, it was interesting. Seth said, you know, I'd love to have the same access the NFL has. There, there really is no strong governing body at any level in college sports anymore. I mean, the NCAA is largely ineffective. The conferences are confederations. I mean, they're run by the they're run by the member programs, and so they're not going to they're only going to be as open as the uh, you know as the as the most restrictive person. Uh, it's the most res- restrictive member in there, and, and and they're just not going to they're not going to police it, and they they have no incentive nope. to. Nope. You know, it's only in the professionalized leagues where they realize that you know there has to be some you know, they have they have to have some kind of media partnership there. Why is there an injury report in the NFL, Steve? Gambling. Yep. Yep. And I and I wonder if gambling is one of the only forces in the market that will force injury information in college football. Force transparency. Yeah. And uh, it's a it's a good question. I I don't think the media. I don't think the media can do it. I don't think the fans are strong enough. I don't think anybody's strong enough. But I think gambling and their dollars might be strong enough to force a little bit more transparency as it become as it pertains to injuries. So we shall see. We shall see. You want to know? You want to talk ratings about New Year's Eve, though, Steve? Because here's sure. Here, Let's here's, go. So we're, the games are on New Year's Eve again this year, and I think and I think next year as well. And then I think after that, that they're not scheduled any any longer on New Year's Eve. Playoff is likely to expand, so we're probably not going to get games on New Year's Eve. The game here. Here are the two ratings for the two games in 2014, the first year of the playoff. A 28.1 for Oregon and Florida State, and a 28.3. For Alabama, Ohio State, the game we were just talking about. The very next year, it was on New Year's Eve. The very next year, a 15.6 and an 18.6. The two lowest rated games ever were on New Year's Eve in 2015. 2016 wasn't much better. They were on New Year's Eve. It got way better in 2017 because it went back to New Year's Day. And oh, by the way, it was the Rose Bowl. And oh, by the way, it was Georgia, Oklahoma in an overtime game. Went back to a 26.9 and a 21.5 for Bama Clemson. I thought it was cute that ESPN or whoever thought that they could compete with every single wife, girlfriend, child, spouse in America <laughs> and win and win that night and say, you know what? Cause I've got a plan. I've got plans this weekend with a group of our friends and all of their kids. It's me and like one other dad against 11 kids, four wives, and two other dads, and guess who's going to lose that battle? Uh, you. You yeah. are going to lose. We are going to have to find a television at this gathering to watch the game, because the game because the gathering ain't coming to us to watch the game. No, it's never gonna. You're never gonna beat New Year's Eve. You're never gonna beat it. It's never gonna happen. I, I would be interested to know too. There's a three thirty game on. There's there's a three thirty game on Friday Eastern time. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three thirty Eastern. So I, I would bet. Do you, do you want to take bets on which on the whether the earlier or the late game is gonna is gonna get a better rating? So what's interesting of the last like six games, the last three years, because we've had a lot of bad games in these semifinals, right? Not a lot of good close games. But 2019, two years ago, Clemson Ohio State was was that 29-23 game where Ohio State had the controversial fumble in the second half. Really, really good football game. A 21.2. It was only the fifth time that that game that any semifinal pulled over a 20. So what you need is not to be on New Year's Eve. You need and you need a good game, ideally with some star power. So to me, that is Georgia, Michigan in prime time at 630 with a potentially close game. I don't see how Cincinnati draws a number now. Now, with the possible exception of a paradigm shifting upset of all upsets, if Cincinnati somehow is in that game and or leading in the fourth quarter, rolling into about five o'clock central time. That's, that's, that's the scenario. That's that's, where that number gets big. Yeah. 
No, you're right. The more competitive game is, is the second one, but that's also, you know, halftime of that game is usually when people start going out. And so yep. it's going to be, it's going to be real interesting. To, it's going to be real interesting to see kind of the, uh, I wonder if Benda can give us like the hour by hour breakdown. So he, maybe he can, maybe we can ask, ask him for those next week, just because I, I would love to know. I would love to know when people start checking out of that game. Uh, <laughs> Even if it's close, I mean, I think it, I think that I think that game will do okay. But um, and those numbers, by the way, are nationally, of course, not yeah, not, yeah, yeah, not for Nashville. Um, I did get uh, ratings for last week from Mark Binda of News Channel Five. Obviously, special thanks to him for all of his data. Uh, the Titans Niners game was a twenty three point nine on Thursday night. In case you were wondering, one of the lower numbers of the season for the Titans. I don't know if that's a Thursday night thing. If the team wasn't playing well, if it was a bad first half. It was a great comeback, and AJ Brown did spectacular things in the second half. But I don't know. That's a that's one of the lower numbers. So uh, I don't know if that means anything to you. Just want to say special thanks to Mark Binda. Shout out. <laughs> that's it's interesting. Thursday night games typically don't do as well. You know, if that if that was the if that was the noon if that was the noon game on on, on Sunday, I think that that number would obviously be higher. It was a hell of a game. So just wrapping up the college football uh, commentary here before we get to recommendations uh, last year, Bama and Notre Dame, which wasn't a total blowout, but it wasn't really that close was the early time slot. And they pulled an 18.9 for reference. So if you're looking to compare Cincinnati Bama, you've got actually Bama in a sort of blowout. So you'll have a very sort of like apples to apples comparison for new year's Eve versus another day. And then Ohio state Clemson, was uh, basically an Ohio State blowout, and that was a 19.2 in the evening time slot. So you can kind of keep keep an eye on those two numbers for last year's games versus this year's games and try to compare New Year's Eve versus any other day of the year that would be better <laughs> to, <laughs> to host these games. Uh, all right, uh, special thanks to Seth Emerson. Um, for recommendations, Steve, would you, like to, would you like to go, my man? Yeah, I'm sitting here coughing my way through this entire episode. It's okay. Um, my recovery. My recommendation, first of all, is to get your COVID booster. Oh, um, okay. I so so good case study here of what happened in our house. We our entire house got COVID here right before Christmas, and my wife, who had gotten her booster, shrugged it off within like a day, maybe two. It is a week later, and I am still lingering around with the. Uh, with with a cough and some other stuff i mean the worst of it's the worst of it's long over because i'm i'm only i only have my just first set of vaccinations the booster makes a big big difference uh i was supposed to get my booster my wife gave me a cold at thanksgiving i'm I'm not bitter are you are you blaming your wife for this uh, this is tricky territory steve i you know she's not listening to this episode so whatever um She's actually but, a huge Seth Emerson fan. You don't know that. <laughs> but go get go get your booster. It makes a difference. Absolutely, it makes a difference. And whatever variant is out there right now, you don't want any part of. Trust me. I just dealt with it for a week. Learn learn from learn from whatever I learn from whatever I just did and 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 go get and go get your booster. So that's my first All recommendation. Right. Okay. My second recommendation is to is to watch All Madden which is which is the Fox produced I think it's 90 minute documentary uh, on John Madden. Uh, you know Madden of course just died. This is this is it is it's not necess- it is not a critical examination of Madden. It is a very loving uh, look at his three stellar careers both at you know as a coach, uh, as a broadcast analyst and as a game phenomenon and how people, different generations of people encountered Madden in different ways. Uh, and you get a sense from it, a, what a huge talent he was. Uh, one of the things I loved about this was they went back to some of his biggest sponsors during that era. And I guess got them to re up for the ads again. And so you get to see like the light, the, the light beer ads that he's in and like the, the, the Tenactin ads, the tough acting Tenactin, boom, boom, uh, ads that he's in. And you, you see just like how magnetic a guy this was. He's, he's such a great personality. Uh, you understand how he explained the game really, really well. 
uh, and, and you understand how he just rocketed to the top of every uh, of, of every list of, of of color commentators. And you know, he was number one for 25 years. And then the really interesting thing to me is, you know, he left. And we haven't seen him on the stage since he left uh, the the Sunday night uh, the Sunday night booth years ago. And he doesn't give didn't give a ton of interviews, but you see like all of these NFL players talking about what it meant for Madden to call their game and how people related to him. You know, you know, there's Brady and Manning and and all of these just like high profile NFL stars talking about what Madden meant to him. And you get an, a real sense of the impact that he had on on the popularity of of the NFL becoming America's national pastime. And, and, I, and I think, I think, I don't, I don't even think that's really an argument anymore. I think football is our national pastime and the NFL is the biggest portion of that, but it, it, it's a fabulous documentary. Uh, I think Tom Rinaldi had, had, uh, had a, had a pan in it or was like one of the executive producers. I, I, I hope so. Yeah. Otherwise, just, why'd you hire the guy? <laughs> yeah. Um, just an absolutely wonderful, uh, an absolutely wonderful piece. You, you may have a hard time finding it. I don't know where to stream it right now because it ran on Fox proper. Oh, I'm okay. sure in the wake of his death, they're going to show this thing like five more times on like either the NFL network or F- yeah. F- FS1 or something like that. Go, f- go do a search and, and find it. It's absolutely worth your time. You also don't have to take the bait on Twitter when getting into discussions, like right after the, the day a guy dies about like what his impact did or didn't mean to certain people. Like you just don't, you just don't have to get involved in, no. in a debate like that. Um, it doesn't mean there aren't valid points to be made and very nuanced, subtle arguments to be made about lots of different topics and lots of different directions. It just, you just don't have to do it on Twitter. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to do it. So um, don't take the bait on that one. Um, there's very few things in sports, Steve, that are just one name and across every generation, every socioeconomic background, every part of this country, you say one word and everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. That is a pretty rare thing to say. Like, like it's Jordan, it's LeBron, it's Madden. (laughs) There's not a lot of other ones up there in that category. Tiger, maybe, you know, so there's not a lot of them up there, but Madden is certainly up there. Um, All right. Good recommendation. I missed that. So I ha- like, like, like you're saying, I've been sort of searching for it. So I will, I'll give you a review. Um, I do need your help. This is not a recommendation. This is a question about whether I should I recommend something or not. And I need you to watch some of it to tell me. Is this a question or a cry for help? It's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, my wife and I started watching clickbait on Netflix. It's got like some good actors and like pretty decent writing it's a, it's definitely hooky as hell and has us hooked like crazy. There's okay, a media, okay. there's a media but, element to it too. You say it has some good actors and yet the first actor you named is Adrian Grenier. His name's Vinny Chase, so get it right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um I I am kind of hooked on it. I don't know if it's good, so I don't know if I should recommend it or not, but I keep watching it, so there's that. Um what I did watch and cannot recommend enough because you guys have heard me talk about this enough times here. We, I just recommended 14 peaks and I've rec- you know, I'll, I'll talk about John Krakauer until the day I die, but I, I, I watched the Alpinist on Netflix as well. And it is as interesting as I could have ever possibly imagined. It is about a climber, Mark Andre Leclerc, who is from Canada and is essentially doing things on mountains that have never been done before, ever in the history of mankind. And which, which me, and you, and you see like interviews of all these other climbers who are like, what in the hell is this guy doing? And he doesn't do it with camera crews. He doesn't do it for attention. He doesn't want any notoriety. He wouldn't let them like, we're talking about soloing 4,000 foot cliff faces, mixed texture, ice, rock, snow, with no top rope and no camera crew. And he's like, no, I don't want you guys to be there because then it wouldn't be a solo climb. <laughs> I mean, this guy is is just fascinating. And uh, of course, the way you like surfing documentaries, the, the visuals are just absolutely stunning. Because you're talking about, they go to Patagonia in Argentina. They go to, you know, to the Himalayas. They go to the Swiss Alps. They go to the Canadian Rockies. They... They go to all these just truly magical places. So go check that out. That one is one of my favorites. 
that I've seen all of 2021. The Alpinist on this. This, this is gonna. This ends with you like quitting it all to like go climb Everest, doesn't you? It? It, we talked about this last week or the week before. I don't know when, but I think I. I think John Krakauer is like my idol because he climbed Everest and is a phenomenal writer <laughs> in the media. Like I don't think I could think of a human I'd rather be than John Krakauer. So yes, I will be quitting lamestream soon to go climb the Smoky Mountains. <laughs> if you if you if you quit to climb Klingman's Dome, that would be the that would be the lamest thing ever. I've already climbed Klingman's Dome and Mount Lacant. Okay, I've already done both of those. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so no, that won't be happening. But it, there, these people are just I don't I don't I, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous of mountaineer people that can mountaineer. So go check it out. Go also. If you like $5 champagne to Jasper's this weekend, where all day Friday and all day Saturday, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, you can get $5 champagne the entire day. You can watch football morning, noon, and night. You can drink champagne morning, noon, and night all day, both days. I don't know. You're not going to pay for parking. You get a great burger. You get great food out of the deal. And all the people at Jasper's are, of course, wonderful. Awesome. Steve is speechless. I mean, I, I'm in quarantine. I'm not going. So, oh, that's true. Don't go to Jasper's. <laughs> Everyone out there, go to Jasper's. Except everyone but me, go to Jasper's. You're not allowed to. Uh, special thanks to Seth Emerson for hanging out with us. Of course, make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the show. Please tell some people about it. Check out all the other great stuff from the 440 Sports Network. For Steve Cavendish, my name is Braden Gall. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. Avoid amateur hour if you can. Thank you guys all for listening. This has been Landstream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>